0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Welcome to the New Books Network.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Science, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Galina Limarenko, doctoral candidate in neuroscience with a focus on biochemistry and molecular biology of neurodegenerative diseases at the PFL in Switzerland the host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Nina Krauss about her new book, Of Sound Mind, How Our Brain Constructs a Meaningful Sonic World. How sound leaves a fundamental imprint on who we are. Making sense of sound is one of the hardest jobs we ask our brains to do. In Of Sound Mind, Nina Krauss examines the partnership of sound and brain, showing for the first time that processing of sound drives many of the brain's core functions. Craft shows how our engagement with sound leaves a fundamental imprint of who we are. The sounds of our lives shape our brains, for better and for worse, and help us build the sonic world we live in. Well, Nina, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very
1: happy to be here.
0: Oh, it's great to have you here with us today. So as we have just witnessed the recent times of the global pandemic I was wondering if you could start by reflecting on how has it affected you and your work and maybe some main takeaways that you have gathered from this experience
1: Sure you know from from the beginning I have been so grateful I've been so grateful that I and my husband and um, have have been able to continue working and continue doing, you know, what, what we love to do. Um, so I, I, think that, you know, we've been extraordinarily fortunate given that there are many people who did not have that opportunity. Um, with respect to the work in, in my lab, which we call brain vaults, uh, you know, we have an ongoing study with football players and, uh, actually all of our, uh, Division one athletes, males and females for many sports, and they continued to play during much of the pandemic. And so we continued that arm of the work on site and the rest of the work, uh, we uh, of course, just did it remotely, both the teaching and all of our um, uh, data analysis and lab meetings and, and such. Uh, the, the the pandemic also um, you know I, I think it, it, it made me realize more than ever how important sound is and how um, you know the the the, the fact that, it became so much quieter. Our world became quieter, Um, just brought home the fact that we ordinarily live in such a noisy world and we don't honor the the beauty of our soundscape as much as as we could. So that was also something that, that came through to me.
0: That's an excellent point. Do you think uh, other people also started appreciating soundscape, for example,
1: in their gardens after this experience? They did, and and you know people just kept remarking how um, you know how they they could hear the birds in a way that they couldn't hear before. And what was really interesting is that scientists looked at um, they they made. Many field recordings of birds and found that actually the birds were singing more quietly than they had before. Um, and, you know, because they, they didn't have to uh, be screeching over the, the noise. And the other thing that they were able to do is they sang more uh, intricate songs. And, and that's very important from a mating perspective for the birds, because, you know, it's the male bird who sings and the female who chooses. And the female is much more likely to choose a male who can sing a strong and elaborate song. So the fact that that uh, now the birds were able to sing a more elaborate song. And interestingly, even though they were singing more quietly, their bird songs carried a longer distance than before the pandemic. Oh, that's fascinating!
0: So you already mentioned that you run a lab. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I have a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lab, which is um, is is my my scientific family, and I, I really approach everything from a um, uh, f- from a personal standpoint, and and I think that one of the things that I try to get across in my book of sound mind is how uh, science is a deeply personal endeavor. You know, it is performed by humans, and so I try to get that across. And and in my lab, uh, we have individuals who uh, work at brainvolts, We call ourselves brain vaults, um, who come from many different um, they come they bring different experience uh, in engineering and um, uh, uh, music uh, clinical uh Really, the, the, the kind of background that a person has to work in our lab uh, is, is, is really broad. And broad also, um, I think it fits in very well with the kinds of studies that we do. So if, if you go to the homepage of our website, which I encourage everyone to do, it's a labor of love, um, and, and there's a little icon of a bus, take the tour. Of the website, so you can find what you're looking for. But on on the home page, you will see that there are pictures of all the different topics that we study. and we study uh, we study music, we study rhythm, uh, reading, uh, bilingualism, concussion, aging, uh, language disorders like autism. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting the hearing in, in noise. Um, so there are many, many topics. And, and, you know, you might ask yourself, what are they doing at Brain Vaults? Uh, and all of this is under the umbrella of sound and the brain, which really, I think, brings home the fact that sound is is pervasive and it's pervasively a part of everything that we do almost everything that we do and so many things that we hold dear and
0: how did you get interested in studying brain
1: well i um i I grew up in a house where more than one language was spoken my first language is italian and uh my my mother was a musician, and I, I loved to. Uh, I always play underneath the piano because it felt the sound was just wonderful there while she played, and and then when I went to college, I majored in comparative literature because I liked to read and I knew some languages. Um, but then I took a, you know, it was such a good reason to have to take distribution requirements at that time. Uh, I took biology and, and oh, I, I thought, oh, this is for me. I love biology. This is fun. Um, and then I discovered a book called The Biological Foundations of Language. And I thought, holy cow. I can marry these two interests of mine, uh, you know, how language works biologically. And so I decided to, um, to, to pursue, to, to eventually to get a, a degree in, uh, in neuroscience. And I have studied sound and the brain um, from then until now. I really like how you referred to your lab as a family. So I
0: was wondering uh, what in your opinion is the significance really for young students to have a good mentor and what would you tell
1: them Yes I think it's important to have not only a good mentor but a good team uh because when in, in you know the 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 Brain vaults is really the is is a team, and it is very much like like the brain in that you know there is so much interaction among the different members, and we all participate in every study, and so everyone has their own point of view, and when a student comes into the lab, they. Uh, interact not just with me, but with the other experts in the lab who bring their own view to the work that is done. Now not every lab is run like my lab. Uh, you know that people have different philosophies and just uh, people ha- when they teach, they, they teach differently. But for me, um, I have decided, and it, it's really something that has evolved over the years to have this community, of people and, you know, everyone, and, and, you know, working at BrainVault is not for everyone. So, you know, we we really, people generally stay for a long time. And they, you know, they, they, if, if it's a good match, they are generous of spirit. Because you know we, we all pitch in for each other, um, we we take care of each other, and and we like to eat. We bring good food and we uh, have uh, meals together. Uh, this is something that I really missed over the 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 uh, social isolation period because uh, you know we would always meet every day for lunch and uh, you know bring our 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 food and we would often have um parties with uh we have some some really wonderful chefs in the mix. So uh again, you know, eating is something that everybody has to do just like listening to sound and making sound and having sound be a part of our lives. It, it's, it's very important to me again to do something that um that that of is of interest to a broad swath of people. Um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm interested in communicating to all the, the scientists within, you know, our ivory tower of science, but I, I'm really especially interested in um, communicating and learning from um the, the, the people who use sound in their lives. And, and that was really my motivation for writing this book is that I, I really, you know, this is a book that is written uh, for, for you. It is written for anyone who um, may not have a, a science background at all, um, but is interested in the powerful forces in our lives. And of course, sound is a very powerful force in our life. And so I'm, I'm you know, it's written um with with the, the the uh the things that that I have learned uh but you know really told to the way I have I have found myself over the years people are interested in what we do at brainvaults and so they are always um asking questions and wanting to know more and I thought well gee um why don't I put this together in one place so so I I did that but I really did it 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 has a tone I hope that is a um, a dinnertime conversation tone that um, you you know you you need to to, to think about and engage with uh, thoughtfully.
0: So your book is of sound mind: how our brains construct a meaningful sonic world. And I'm really glad that you mentioned your motivations uh, for writing it, really bringing it to other people. So. I have so many questions. <laughs> so let's delve into some of the science yeah, that, that you cover in your book. So first of all, what is sound?
1: Well, so the first part of the book, the first quarter of the book or so, is uh, uh, it, it, it is uh, how sound works, it's called. And you know, I feel like like a child um, every time this this topic comes up. You know how kids uh, want to hear the same story again and again? Well, you know, I always want to hear the story about sound, whether I'm telling it or someone else is telling it. Um, it is just so so fascinating to, to think about. Um, and each time I think about it, I, I enjoy it and get something, some, some, a deeper appreciation. Um, so, you know, it, it is really the idea that, that sound is movement. Sound is the movement of air, and there are in, ingredients in sound. Um, and, and another thing about sound is that sound is invisible. And we live in a very, you know, increasingly visually biased world. But um, sound, an invisible force like gravity, is is pretty important um and we uh you know in in the same way as a a visual object has different ingredients like size and texture and color um sound first of all it's there in the first place and it also is full of ingredients like pitch timing timbre harmonics loudness Phase. Uh, there are so many ingredients of sound in the sound waves, and the brain needs to make sense of all of these ingredients. Um, and this is a, a marvel because the the brain needs to take all of these ingredients. And and one of the metaphors that I use in the book is uh, of the brain as a mixing as a mixing board. So. Um, you know, you, you can envision all of the ingredients in a mixing bowl uh, coming into the ear and into the brain. And then you have this brain that has the different faders on a mixing board that go up and down. And they go up and down depending on your life in sound. What you have, the, the particular sound to meaning connections you have made over your lifetime. And so you will have particular strengths and particular bottlenecks. And we can tell a lot about an individual and also groups of individuals by looking at these patterns on on the mixing board. And and the way that we can do that is, of course, as I'm I'm speaking now, the neurons in your brain are producing electricity. And uh, this electricity can be captured just with electrodes put on the scalp and we can uh, measure that information, that electricity. So we're going from a sound wave to a brain wave. You know, the currency of the nervous system is electricity. And we have that um, electrical response then that we can look at and I can look at your response to sound and I can see, oh, you have these strengths and these bottlenecks and, um, you know, I can probably tell that you have had uh, musical experience or that you speak a couple of languages. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's really uh, pretty wonderful. Uh, and the uh, you know, we, we can, we can answer these, these, or at least begin to answer uh, these, these, very difficult questions like, you know, what makes us us and how do we remember? Um, and, uh, you know, why does music make us feel the way it does? Why do we respond so um, strongly when we hear someone who is speaking our native language? Um, it, I, I feel like like I have some grounding on what uh, on, on these important questions, because we look at the, the biology with signals. So it's really signals outside the head being translated into signals inside the head. And these are really quite tangible and they, they keep me grounded and they allow me to look at, at these, these very uh, rich questions. Um, in a way that is uh, really quite objective and biologically based.
0: So then, each of us has individual fingerprint,
1: does uh, do we, for sound perception and the way we process the sounds? That's absolutely right, and and we can see that in the sound wave. So we can take, you know, three typical listeners and and have them listen to the same sound. And, uh, and, and you, you know, you will find that, uh, you know, you can certainly recognize what the sound was by the brain's response in all the three listeners, but each response is going to be different. And we have a signature, and if I record your brain response today, and then I record your brain response tomorrow, just like when you write your signature, it's going to pretty much be the same signature. It's something, it, it, you know, our, our sonic minds, our life and sound makes us us. It really contributes to who we are, which to me is, is, is profound and is something that is not readily appreciated, which again is one of the reasons that I wrote my book of sound mind, how our brain constructs a meaningful sonic world.
0: That is so interesting to me because I work uh, within the neurodegenerative field and we know that in some patients with dementia, they remember music that, for example, their mother played or um, some lullabies uh, from their, or some music from their youth.
1: So why is it that we remember some of those sounds? Yes. Well, um, you know, you, just in general, um, you know, there, there is the expression, it's so good to hear the sound of your voice why is that? You know, when, when I, I speak to my, I have three children, when I speak to them over the phone, um, you know, we, we first just revel in how wonderful it is to hear each other's voices. It's so good to hear the sound of your voice because, um, you know, we have spent years back and forth making sound to meaning, sound to feeling connections with that particular sound. And something that you should know about the sound Mind is that it engages how we think, so what we know, how we feel, how we move, and uh, how the sound interacts with information that we get from other senses. So the sound mind, the sound brain, the hearing brain is is vast, and it is deeply, deeply tied. Sound is deeply tied to our memories. So um you know think about the fact that that you know we we didn't uh use writing until about 5000 years ago but humans have been speaking and using sound for hundreds of thousands of years so this is very deeply embedded and it's deeply embedded in in many 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 organisms um sound is what signals um, you know, is is this some, a sound that is going to hurt me? Uh, can I have it for lunch? Uh, can I mate with it? You know, these are really important um, signals for survival that uh, you know, all animals have. Sound is a very um, evolutionarily uh, ancient sense. And um, so you can see, or you can begin to imagine how sound and memories, because you have to remember that sound that almost ate you. um, You have to remember the next time you hear that you are going to get away faster. So to make a connection with sound and memory, which again, you had to do even more strongly before we could write things down, you know, history was was sung and it was carried down through the bards and uh, you know, people had to remember what the stories were and there were orators who had to tell stories and narratives uh and and you know they needed to remember all of this so sound and memory are very 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 tightly linked to the extent that when we forget almost everything else and we don't uh you know hardly recognize the world that we live in if we have dementia um People still can recognize and be brought back to life by the sounds that were important to them, that they had sound-to-meaning connections with. Again, the sound, the sound it's sound-to-meaning, it, it, it engages uh, the things that they know, the things that... Um, that, that have meaning for them, that they f- have feelings about. Because again, the hearing brain engages our hearing, our all of our senses, uh, our feeling, how we move, and what we know.
0: Does this also work for mnemonics? When you try to remember something, you, would, you could put it to the tune.
1: Yes, absolutely. And and you know, historically it was really the the bards and and the chorus eventually that that helped bring uh it carry the the, the history forward from generation to generation. And you know, we we all we we learned our um you know, our our ABC uh, with a song. You know, we 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 can learn things very well. Um, When you put words together with a melody and a rhythm, the rhythm is also tremendously important. And um, and, and, and so that also helps with the memory. Yes, it, it solidifies the memory.
0: So as we live in such a huge sonic world, how does our brain differentiate between the sounds that are important
1: and which are not? Yeah. So this is something that we learn over time, which is why, and and again, this is another of the motivations for my writing this book of Sound Mind. Um, It's my call to action because what we do in our lives, you know, biologically we are what we do. So it's very important for us to be making good choices about how we spend our time, and how our children spend their time, and how, as a society, we spend our time. And, you know, I, I, I think none of us individually can change the world in terms of the sonic landscape, but we can make decisions in our lives and in our communities to help us uh, honor and be able to engage in uh, making sense of sound in a meaningful way so that it strengthens our sonic mind. And it, um, at the same time we want to be able to minimize the amount of, uh, of noise, for example, the unwanted sounds that, uh, even if you learn to, uh, ignore them, you know, so, how, you know, everybody has had the experience of, um, not knowing a sound was there until it was gone, and uh, you know. So, for example, you could be um, the the refrigerator might turn off, or the truck outside will turn its ignition off, or the air conditioning will cycle off. And 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 often people's response to that is, "Whew," uh, because the sound was there, even though you didn't know it was there until it turned off. Um, and it was affecting our biology because of, of what I said before, because we have such a tight coupling of sound with um, our survival when we hear um, you know sounds, we, I, I, think, I think you know, we're in a constant state of alarm and, and we don't even know it. And, and I, I truly believe that part of the reason as a society we, we seem to be coming to be becoming increasingly nervous and stressed and anxious. Um, I think in part, it has to do with the fact that there is um, so much um, unwanted, unnecessary, often sound that, Uh, again, people don't think about it. You know, they they just don't they they just they they don't give it a thought, you know, they'll they'll put in an air conditioner and you know we as a we have choices and and people don't really think about, oh well this air conditioner is gonna be quieter. They really are just focused on I wanna get cooler. Um, so but but if, if that becomes more front of mind then people will begin to to make these kinds of 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 better decisions and um even if you know and, and again i think if eventually it will be more expensive it will be the more expensive option to get a quieter air conditioner but you know there's no reason why we can't have much quieter hair dryers for example um and it, it, again it's 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 really a matter of of people um, recognizing the importance of sound, the importance of sound to our health, uh, because if there is uh, if there is a lot of noise, we, we really do know that it it affects our ability to concentrate, to think, to sleep, um, and very importantly, to hear each other. And and I, I think that this comes to uh, probably the most important piece of the message of my book. In of sound mind, the, the message is that sound connects us. And it connects us in the present, in the moment. It connects us the way no other sense does. You know, right now, you and I are having this, this conversation back and forth. There is this reciprocity. And we don't have a script. You know, we're, we're just, we're responding to each other. And 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 that's beautiful. That's very alive. It's very immediate. It's it's what uh, Ian McGilchrist calls betweenness, and it's precious, and it, it it is it connects us. It is something that, and again, one of the things that that characterizes sound is that, uh, you know, it's it's here. It's in the moment. It's completely alive, and then it's gone. It's not like 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 an object that you can hold. So it's just completely. It is truly alive, and it connects us in in a, a profound and important way. That uh, I, I feel we should, um, you know, people ask, you know, how do I strengthen my my sound mind? And and you know, a very basic um, thing that we can all do better is to to talk to each other, and you know. Uh, to talk to our kids instead of our phones, uh, to use sound as this this way of um, reciprocating and feeling that we have something in common. And, and of course, that's something that music does uh, in, in a tremendously efficient and beautiful way.
0: Yes, this this really changes my perception and perspective on sound and I was wondering about silence. So how natural if you can put it this way is silence to us?
1: Yes, well, you know, we need si- we, we we need silence um, e- even for sound to occur. So think about um, you know, as we're we're talking now the we there isn't sound every um Constantly, there are pauses. There is the space between words. It helps us understand turn-taking. It helps us understand where one word begins and ends. Um, In music, we have the note values, but we also have the rest values. So the, the space between the notes makes the notes worthwhile. So... Uh, you know the silence is very important, and, and silence also has a deeply just silence in general has a deeply spiritual uh, side to it. It, it is uh, it, not a um, an accident that uh, almost every religion, and and also when we are um, honoring an event or someone, you know, we say, can we have a moment of silence? It, you know, it, it, and, 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 again, that moment of silence enables us to reflect. And um, often the noise in our lives robs us of that ability to, to, to reflect and, that seems like an important an important thing to be able to hold on to as as a human.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. That's why I love my uh, noise canceling headphones. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I was wondering about language because language is such a unique human trait that we're able to use use it. So, how Language sounds like words are processed in our brain compared to other sounds.
1: Yes, I love that question. It's a beautiful, beautiful question. And and our uh, our sound minds are uh, sculpted. They are shaped by the language we speak. What What is your first language?
0: Uh,
1: Russian. Russian. Ah. I, I i i wish I would be better at at recognizing um, different speakers but it, it has it has a beautiful sound that right away I respond to uh, very very positively it's you know it's a part of what makes you you um, and we know that that babies will right away um, shape their brains we can measure this um, in response to the sounds of the languages and also of the music that, Um, has meaning for them, and this happens throughout our lives. Uh, It's interesting also that if you speak another language, uh, your brain becomes especially good at at processing the fundamental frequency of a sound, which is the sound. uh, It's an ingredient that gives us a lot of information about pitch and about voice pitch. So, you know, your voice has a certain pitch to it. My voice has a certain pitch to it. And if we're listening, um, you know, and and we're in a group of people, I can pull out the sound of your voice because, um, you know, in in the biz, we would call it um, an auditory object. You know, the sound of of Karen is the sound of... um, an object in that, 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 that we can recognize just as the sound of bill and the sound of, uh, of, of, of running water, you know, we, we, we have, and, 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 and this fundamental frequency is something that really enables us to group our sounds into distinct, um, you know, I, I, hate to use the word objects, but that's just what, 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 the, the field uses. Um, but people who speak another language or multiple languages are especially good. And you can just measure this in their brain's response to, to a speech sound. It doesn't even matter what language is being spoken. That fundamental frequency processing is really robust. And um, that is... Uh, something that that helps a speaker of multiple languages um, make sense of especially a complex soundscape.
0: So that's talking when we can perceive sound well. And what happens in some cases when we cannot?
1: Yes, so... You know, there are, are various reasons why we cannot perceive sound well. One is what we've been talking about in terms of noise outside the head, um, but there is also noise inside the head. You know, we find that some children who uh, have been um, raised with linguistic deprivation and often raised in poverty, we see um, in a Excessive neural noise. So you know, our the electricity in our brain is always on, and the neurons are firing in a disorganized way. And uh, linguistic deprivation um, increases the amount of neural noise in the brain. And I, I think that that's just because you know a child can't help but try to make sense of 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 sound. And if Um, they're not getting stimulated with uh, strong enough sound to meaning connections. Um, You know, they, they will make up other electrical activity, which can also get in the way of, um, of developing language and, you know, being a strong language user. Um, Of course, uh, and, 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 and actually, uh, so some work that we have done with uh, elite athletes has shown that very physically fit uh, individuals have excessively quiet brains. So um, that enables the athlete to really make sense of all of the uh, stimulation that is going on around them. Um, you're probably thinking also about hearing loss, and if, if, if someone has a hearing loss, that is going to affect, of course, um, the input into the brain. What is, is important to recognize is that, um, you know, it, 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 you cannot, um, you, if, if someone has a hearing loss, the impact of that hearing loss is going to be greater than what most people think, because um, because hearing involves how we think and feel and move and incorporate our information from other senses. Um, if you're not hearing well, you're not able to, to think about what is being said. And it actually can um, dull your thinking skills. So, you know, people don't often realize that, you know, if they need a hearing aid, it's not just so that they can hear the sounds better, but it's also so that they can make use of them and think about them. That said, um, if you have a, a, a strong sound mind, um, there are things that 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 really uh, can help you even if you have a hearing loss. So for example, some of the the work we've done, we've been able to look at older adults who have the identical um, hearing loss that you would get in in the higher sound frequencies. This is a a typical age-related hearing loss. And if you take um, a musician and a non-musician with the same exact hearing, so hearing loss, um, the musician is able to make much better sense of sound. They can understand sound better in noisy places. They have better uh, processing speed. They um, are able to um, to to make sense of the sounds and remember the sounds better than someone with with the same with the same hearing loss. So, um, and by the way, when I talk about a musician, I'm 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 not j- just talking about a professional musician, I'm talking about, you know, people like you or me who might just regularly play a musical instrument. It, it really does change how one is able to make sense of sound, as also, I mean, other work that has been done um, on bilingualism has shown that as we age, um, speaking another language can have protective effects with respect to our thinking skills.
0: This is really fascinating. And I think the title of your book made, makes so much more sense now. It has this duality, doesn't it?
1: So tell me how, how you are, are thinking about it and, and I, I will respond.
0: On one side, it's all about the actual sound. So the movement of, for example, air or some other liquid where the sound travels. And then this part of our perception of it, so thinking, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really yeah. interesting. I keep going between the two.
1: <laughs> yes, and, and and that's I'm so glad to hear you say that because that's exactly my my intention. Because um, you know, sound sound is is alive itself. You know, it, it, it is it is the movement. You cannot have sound without movement. It's it, it's movement and. Um, as we, uh, our brain makes sense of it, um, there is this, this, this engagement of, you know, uh, what we formally call our cognitive sensory motor and reward systems. Um, that's all part of our hearing, but there is this reciprocity. And, and let me tell you, so one of the languages that I learned to speak is harmony, singing Harmony. So, if if you've ever have you ever sung harmony with with somebody? Not really, no. But I so, I heard somebody do it. Yeah. Yes, well, I I you know if somebody is is I, I love to sing um, harmony. You know when when people are just getting together singing songs, and this is something I learned from from my mother, uh, my Italian mamma, and she would sing with my dad. Um, and, and so it's something that I, I just learned to do. I don't know how I do it, but I can do it. And to me, it is this beautiful example of this back and forth, the reciprocity. When you are singing harmony with somebody, you are listening to what they are singing, and then you are adjusting your own voice and movements uh, accordingly. And then the person who is singing harmony with you is listening to you and adjusting their movements and their voice, their sound. And this continues. It just goes, you know, as we, we listen and move, um, this goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth as we tune to each other. Um, you know, how beautiful is that? It's like a conversation
0: in sound. Indeed. So now thinking about the bigger picture, I was wondering how our relationship with our sounds are were shaped and are shaped by our social and maybe economic forces.
1: Yes. I think um, the, the That is certainly the case. Um, You know, we are, you know, speaking as a biologist, we are shaped by by what we do. And, you know, what we do is very much affected by the world that we live in. And so, uh, you know, thinking about um, social and economic forces, um, you know, if you just take the example of... Of beeping trucks, so you know there are reasons that uh, uh, having a a truck make a sound as it backs up, especially in a construction zone, um, you know this this can um, be an important warning signal. On the other hand, it seems like every delivery van has these beeps that are very loud and. Uh, but yet, you know, we just accept them, and you know, we we also think we are tuning them out. You know, what else are we tuning out? Um, again, we we live in a society where it's easy to measure how many people were injured by a truck that backed up, and you know, we we we, we you know we we live in this very uh, you know trying to quantify things society, and yet. It's very hard to measure the effects that, um, you know, the, the the constant beeping may have on our sound minds, on our um, on on our ability to think, on our ability to interact with each other. Uh, again, if we are uh, uh, if we are ignoring so many sounds in our soundscape, what else are we ignoring? So these are things that are are. You know the, I I think that that and again this is something that I, I really try to get across in 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 my book is that um, you you know there there are often not hard and fast yes no. Definitive answers to things. Everything has to be taken in context. And in fact, my my students are always uh, protesting because they want to know the answer. And almost always, I tell them it depends. So you know, I, I think that it's it's important to be thinking about uh, you know any issue in our sound world in our sonic. Landscape, and to be really thinking about: Is it necessary if it's noise? And really making changes accordingly. And you know, we can make changes in our lives. For example, I, I, I deeply believe that it is very, very good for um, people's ability to uh, to think and engage with the world if they have a musical education. You know, I think that every child should have a musical education. I also think that uh, music has a real place in medicine, uh, both for for Alzheimer's, for, um, you know, we we use uh, music all the time in the gym to help us with movement. So music can be used in Parkinson's disease, for example, to uh, strengthen movement, but in anybody, in just, moving their their bodies. And you know I yes, there is such a thing as music education. There is such a thing as music in medicine, but it is not as pervasive as I believe it should be. It should be something that is just a given that is just part of our society in the same way as we um, teach our children, Uh, how how to write, we should uh, teach them about music and medicine should also um, include, should consider sound. And and in fact, one of the things um, that we're especially interested in is in our work with athletes. Um, The idea, so, you know, we're looking at um, athletes, healthy athletes, and then also athletes who have sustained a concussion. Uh, so why is that? Well, making sense of sound is one of the hardest jobs that we ask our brains to do. And it, it means really being able to process information in, in, in microseconds. And um, this precision is disrupted if you get a blow to the head um, and, you know, people historically have looked at vision and at balance, uh, but not at hearing. And, uh, it, it is, you know, remarkable how much correspondence I get from people who learn about, uh, our work at Brainvolts and other work like it, or have read my book. Um, and, and they, they say, oh, You know, this is me, you're describing me. Ever since I've had a concussion, I have difficulty uh, hearing speech in a noisy place, or I'm very hypersensitive to sound. Um, So the athletes know, but it's not in the mainstream of um, concussion practice, which I hope someday it will be. Um, But I'm also hoping that in terms of therapies, there may be ways of engaging rhythm. As a way of um, healing the concussed brain, because you know the, the our brain um, produces rhythms, and to help the brain become resynchronized after a concussion is something that uh, I think has potential.
0: So, what discoveries along your journey to writing of sound mind surprised you the most?
1: Oh, uh, I get surprised all the time. Um, you know, I, I I was certainly surprised by when we began studying rhythm. Uh, you know, I, I thought that if you were good at one kind of rhythm skill, you would be good at other rhythm skills because you would just be good at rhythm. But no, I was wrong. Um, and, you know, if you just take, um, you know, a... a, a passage like um, a shave and a haircut to bits, you have, you, you're tapping along with it and you're tapping along to the beat. And this is what you um, tap your foot to or snap your fingers to, da, 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 which is very different from if you tap along to the pattern, which is, right? And if you think about this in musical terms, the beat is shown by the time signature, you know. So this could be in four-four time, right? And and it's steady and regular. And the pattern, of course, is the values of the notes and the rests. And um, but you know, I, I thought if you were good at producing one kind of rhythm activity, you'd be good at the other. And it turns out that it's not true at all. And you know, converging evidence from other groups have, have really shown how these are very different um, rhythmic skills, and that you cannot predict how well somebody is going to do with one rhythm activity from how they do on the other. So um, you know, it, it, I, I think mostly I am I, I am incre- always um, reminded by how complicated something is. Um, you know, way more complicated than I thought in the first place, um, and so 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 that's that's an example. Um, I, I also am increasingly interested in how um, sound is an important way of communicating and also an important factor, not only in human and in animal life, but also in plant and tree life. You know, any plumber can tell you that um, tree roots are going to go into the pipes underground. And that's because the trees have a way of actually sensing the sound at the, the frequency, the fundamental frequency of running water. Um, You know, not everybody knows, I didn't know, that um, if you take, uh, that there is a blossom on a uh, plant, that it will not release its pollen unless it is visited by a bee that buzzes at a particular frequency. So this, 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 this. A uh, flower is is tuned very specially tuned to sound and so, so the 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 pervasiveness of of sound as a physical force and as a way of 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 connecting within and across species is something that um increasingly um is 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 is, is an area that um i think, we can know much more about.
0: Oh boy! Now I feel bad for my cactus, <laughs> depriving it from uh, the sound of the of the sound of the running water.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> you know, this is what I mean in terms of 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 we have control over the choices we make. So maybe you can have your your cactus hear the sound of, of, of running water and maybe it'll send its little roots in the direction of the, of the sink.
0: Exactly. I'll put it close to when I make my coffee so it can hear a little bit. (laughs) So what is your favorite instrument and why is it a theremin?
1: Uh, (laughs) um, Well, my, my, I, I don't have a favorite instrument, you know, like people, and I, just as I don't have a favorite food, people ask me, what kind of food do you like? And I, I say, good food. You know, what kind of music do you like? Good music. <laughs> um, I, 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 I play a couple of instruments, not especially well, but with, with great joy. I play uh, some piano, electric guitar, some drums, uh, harmonica. I like to sing harmony. Um, so, you know, that's always fun. And, and, and it's always really nice to listen to the instruments that you have some experience with. Uh, I, I'm fortunate to, I, my husband is a musician and so he's really good and I can hear, um, you know, the, 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 the sounds of his uh, playing. And when he plays with uh, his, his uh, colleagues and, and, uh, that's just wonderful to me. Again, it's 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 personal, um, and and I get to know it over over time. Um, so I, I really can't say that I have a a favorite sound or a favorite instrument. Um, it it you know it'll depend on um, on who's playing it and. Uh, how it's played and what they're playing.
0: Well, we've taken up a lot of your time. So can you, can you tell us what are you currently working on and what will be your next project?
1: Well, I alluded a little bit to one of the things that, that is really of interest to us. So, I mean, on the one hand, we're continuing to, to um, investigate rhythm and uh, music and making this connection between our music work and our uh, concussion and head injury work, and I really do believe that um, a strong path is the ability to um, uh, to to understand how rhythm therapies, and it may be, um, you know, in the form of um, of a digital music therapy, you know, it could be a, a, a a digital program like interactive metronome, um, you know, that, that requires an interaction with um, the, the person, the athlete with uh, hearing sounds and responding and uh, physically. And then, you know, we are under trying to understand the brain activity and how, um, you know, there there is some early evidence indicating that um, this kind of rhythm therapy may possibly be a, a viable treatment to alleviate concussion symptoms. And that to me is something that um, I would really dearly love to pursue in, in a rigorous, uh, highly Powered, which means a lot of people um, across many different sports, males and females, um, and to really do a strong study to investigate this because it has the potential to, uh, I mean, you know, most importantly, it has the potential to strengthen the options that people have in concussion treatment and management. And I think that it will teach us a lot about uh, the brain and uh, how the brain is injured and how it can recover following injury. That sounds super interesting.
0: So, where can our listeners find more information about your work and also your book?
1: Ah, uh, you asked a question that's close to my heart. Um, please, please, um, listeners, do go to our website. So that's www.brainvolts. Dot northwestern dot edu and uh I, I, again it, it it is a labor of love and and uh do take that little tour and find what you're looking for so that's one and uh, and and as far you know the book really is um is is what i i hope everyone will be reading over the holidays and um and 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 that of course can be purchased at your favorite bookstore wherever you get books.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and for for this truly illuminating
1: discussion. Thank you so much for having me.